Amen. You having a good week so far? It's the first day of the week, right? We're only a couple hours into it, so hopefully it's so far so good. Uh, for those of you joining us online, we're so glad to have you worshiping with us, our online church family, those of you at home. And uh, for those of you here in person, so glad to see you today. It's like you came back. It's awesome. Pastor Ralph, you've been in pastoring for a long time. I, I don't know, but I, I always have this sense, you know, I'm like, they came back every week. It's kind of like, they came back. It's amazing. <laughs> I don't know why that happens, but a Merry Christmas to all of you. You know, so many reasons to love Christmas. Now, I know as we celebrate Christmas that, that sometimes there's a lot of emotion that comes with Christmas. Sometimes Christmas reminds us of those that we uh, miss and, uh, you know, the, the ones that aren't with us anymore. It brings up just a variety of emotion, right? Like, I, I know that. That, but I, I love how God uh, uses that Christmas story that we're going to look at God, Emmanuel, God with us. And so uh, I pray however you're feeling today. Uh, you know, I pray whatever emotion uh, that this season brings, you know, a lot of memories, sometimes heartache, but there's a lot of joy too. There's a lot of a reason to be thankful and, and to love Christmas today. How, how many have the, the family traditions, right, the parties, right? a lot to be thankful for? How many know Pastor Holly was up yesterday morning doing all the Christmas baking at our house? It was a good day at the Bates house yesterday. It smelled good, and uh, by dinner time. There was, uh, you know, a lot of treats to go around, a little eggnog and some ginger molasses cookies, you know. That's my jam. You guys aren't too excited about eggnog. Okay. All right. Uh, how many of you have been making plans? You're, you're planning ahead. How, like, let me see, show of hands, who is hosting Christmas here? Who has guests coming to stay at your house for Christmas? Anyone? You have family coming, friends coming, who, you're the hosts, all right? Where, where's all the people that like, you're, you're going to be going somewhere else for Christmas? You're going to be hosted at someone else's house, okay, right? It's a lot of fun to be hosted, right? It's a fun to host too, but hosting comes with a lot of preparation. So maybe you're already planning in advance and you're getting all, you know, rooms ready and spare beds made. Uh, it's like a lot of stress that can come with Christmas, right? We talk about how amazing it is, but it can be stressful, right? And, uh, and, and sometimes we have un unwanted house guests that come to us. Not, not your family. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about... <laughs> The unwanted house guests of stress. The unwanted house guests of stress, right? Right? There's so much to do on your to-do list, right? There's the shopping and the wrapping. There's the baking and the cleaning and the entertaining. And some of you are just like, Pastor Jerry, we just prayed for anxiety. And now you're adding to my list, right? <laughs> According to polls about holiday stress statistics. They actually researched this. The American Psychological Association. They said that adults are five times more likely to say that their stress is elevated during the holiday Christmas season. And you can probably imagine, you know, the, the common denominators about what uh, leads to stress. There, there's a, sometimes a feeling of a lack of time, right? How, who's got, you have no time for all the parties you're invited to, right? You're so popular, they got all the parties, the work parties and the family party, uh, so popular, right? How about the lack of money, right? Sometimes we're like, oh man, it's expensive to host Christmas, uh, a lot of us are out of our routines, you know, especially as we get a little closer to, to the day, as it approaches, we get out of our routine. It just adds to the sense of stress. Uh, this Paul says preparing for 
or attending family gatherings. That can be stressful, right? Who has stress attending a family gathering? You're like always wondering what the conversation is going to be and who's going to say what. And uh, you always have that one family member. You just never know what they're going to say. And uh, it, was, it can be stressful. But, but here's the thing. The number one thing that people reported adds to their stress is gift giving. The number one thing. And gift-giving stress is a real stress, according to the American Psychological Association. 46% of people are stressed about affording gifts, and 40% are stressed about even just finding a gift, right? Gift-giving stress is a real thing. How many know that you, like, you know, what do you give the person that has everything, right? Like, how many know that this, just consuming your mind, you're researching, you're on Google trying to find, what do I give the person who has everything? I looked that up last night. What do I give the person that has everything? You know what they recommended to me? They said, there was like, a, you know, ever seen those, like, those rainbow sun catchers that you, like, stick on your, on your window? They got a little suction cup, and the sun shines through it, and kind of makes it, like, a little rainbow. Well, they have one of those, and it has a motor on it that's solar-powered, and so when the sun hits it, the little, like, uh, diamond thing kind of starts to swing, and it like, makes the rainbow cascade all over your... How do we know that was something you could get somebody who has everything? Because I'm sure they don't have one of those. That's a real thing that they recommended to me. So, Holly, unless you give me a list, that might be what you're getting. <laughs> right? It's, you're trying to think, what's on in my mind? What am I going to get this person? And I'm stressed about that. And then the idea pops up in your head. I know. I know what I'll get them. But how many know that thing is now sold out and you can't find it anywhere? Just adding to your stress, Right? There's a lot of stressed out people. Maybe you've met some of them at the grocery store this weekend. Maybe you met some of them in the mall parking lot trying to find a spot. Listen, a Harvard Medical School uh, PhD and associate professor of psychology, Ellen Bratton, this is what she talks about, the physical effect of holiday stress on our brain. Listen to what she says. She says, because the holiday season often requires us to keep track and pay attention to a greater number of responsibilities than usual, the brain's prefrontal cortex goes into overdrive. Over time, a high level of demand can decrease memory, halt production of new brain cells, and cause existing brain cells to die. <laughs> How many know when you're in that fog, it's a real thing, right? For your sanity, you should tell your spouse, I'm sorry, I can't think about that right now. Like, this, don't want to lose more brain cells. I don't have enough to spare. <laughs> Fortunately, the report goes on to say that we can handle this level of stress because it's only a short-lived season, right? She said, well, we're going to get to January, then we're going to go back to rest and relaxation and routine and start building back some uh, brain cells. <laughs> Well, Brad, and this is what she says. She says, people who feel stressed during the holidays should evaluate how they spend their time, decide what they want the holidays to mean to them, and keep their expectations for this season realistic. Right? She says, we can calm the stress in our minds by pausing and saying, what is really, what really matter? What do I really want this season to really be about? In other words, the best way to beat Christmas stress is to stress what's most important about Christmas. Let me say that to you again. The best way to beat Christmas stress is to stress what's most important about Christmas. It's not Santa. It's not the gifts. 
It's not having everything perfect when your guests come over. It's not about the Christmas baking turning out perfectly. It's not about being the perfect host. It's not about any of those things. But here's the thing. We already know that, right? We know the meaning of Christmas. We know the truth of what it's all about. And yet, you know, we can easily find ourselves wrapped up and stressed out in the midst of all the Christmas chaos. Now, how many know that gifts are meant to be a blessing to the recipient, right? When you give someone a gift, you're not trying to add stress to their life. You're not trying to add like a burden or a demand, you know, on them. How many know that you don't want a gift? You're like, thanks, but no thanks for this gift, right? If someone was to give you a puppy right now for Christmas, you'd be like, thanks. You know, you just added to the stress of my life. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still dealing with that at my house. I, I just want you to know that all of my hesitations were, you know, they're true. They've, they've been proven. All the reasons why. I was at the Santa Claus parade yesterday with what appeared to be my dog, you know, because I, I'm the one walking the dog and holding the dog because nobody else would. I don't know. I, just, I don't know. Here's the thing. You want gifts to be a blessing, right? And here's the thing. God didn't intend for us to be stressed out in this season. God didn't intend to give us the gift of his son so that we could be so stressed out trying to celebrate him. Think about that. God doesn't give you the gift of his son so we were so stressed out trying to celebrate him. So we need to beat the Christmas stress by stressing what's really important about the Christmas season. Last week we kicked off our sermon series and, and this is what we said. We said Christmas in all its packaging and wonder and mystery still needs to be unwrapped to discover and experience the gift of God that lays under all the layers of festivity. And that's what we're trying to do in our Christmas series. Instead of getting so wrapped up in social obligations and so wrapped up in cultural expectations, so wrapped up in our own and other people's ideals that we get bound up and stressed out, let's unwrap ourselves from that. You know, let's unwrap ourselves from that and just focus for a few minutes on what's really most important. Luke 2 says, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Christmas today is wrapped up in all our traditions, all our festivities, all the materialism, all the shopping and, and family functions. Today it's wrapped up in all of that packaging. You know, in the Bible, it says Christmas was wrapped up in swathing cloths. Jesus, God's gift wrapped in these nondescript cloths, but we still need to unwrap them and discover for ourselves this gift of God that he's given to us in Jesus and discover afresh what makes this season truly wonderful. So today in the coming weeks, you're going to unwrap and explore the different expressions, the different facets of Jesus, God's gift to us, and how they were received in the, in the Christmas story and how we can receive them today. So last week we saw that Jesus it was the Son of God. And in the gift of God's Son, you and I receive sonship with all that goes with that. We are brought into the family of God, given the rights and privileges of being the children of God and the sons of God part of his family. That was such a, a great message last week. If you didn't see that, you can go on YouTube and see it again. But to more, this morning, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 1 as we look at Jesus, God's gift to us in a fresh light. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, 
While she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. One of the most powerful promises and declarations that God makes in Scripture is this. I am with you. I'm with you. Would you say that? Would you say that this morning? Say, he's with me. He's with me today. Different than any other religious claim. Different than any other spiritual way to nirvana or to whatever it is that people are in pursuit of, the Christmas message of the gospel of God, of Jesus Christ is that we can't get to God on our own. We, we can't earn God's uh, favor through merit. We can't get to God in our own works. And so instead of our own doing, the Bible says that God came to us. God came to us. He's with us. And he says, because I'm with you, he says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to abandon you. I'm never going to give up on you. I'm never going to give you up. I'm never going to let you down. I'll let you finish the song. It was in my head all night. I was like, am I going to do it or not? Jesus said, I'm never going to leave you. I'm watching over you because I'm with you. I didn't finish the song, I'm just going to be honest, because I can't remember the next line. I, like, I can hear it, but I was like, some, whatever it is. Never going to give you up, never going to let you down, never going to... Uh, there you go. All right, all right. You just got Rick rolled in church. Okay. Here's the good news of Christmas, is that you don't have to go through life alone. You don't have to go through life alone because the present... The gift of God to us is his presence. And when we're so stressed out and we're so caught up in trying to celebrate the season and trying to make things perfect, God says, I just want you to know this. I'm with you. I'm with you. Not only is God with us, though, that he leads us. And that's something that we see so abundantly clear in the Christmas story. So abundantly clear through the whole theme of Scripture, but especially here that God leads us. Now, you might be thinking right away about the wise men and the star being led uh, by God. We're going to get there uh, in two weeks from now. Uh, that's the obvious one. But, but here in this passage, we see God leading Joseph. Leading him through what would have been one of the hardest uh, times of his life. Right? Through what would have been the most difficult to understand and the difficult to explain. You've ever had a moment like that that's difficult to understand and difficult to under explain what's going on in your life? And, and, and we see this situation where God's leading him, and this is a pattern that's going to continue. 
See, uh, here's some context for you. The wise men weren't at the manger, just in case you weren't sure, you know. Uh, the Bible says that, you know, they would have arrived about three years later. And so that, you know, Jesus would have been in a house, a little toddler, you know. So maybe if you have the nativity at home on your mantle, you could just, like, move the wise men, like, out from the nativity. Just put them on the other end of the mantle. They're, they're not there yet, you know. Some people are like, oh, my goodness. Like, my whole worldview has changed. I didn't know. They weren't there, uh, but let's, the story surrounds the wise men. We come to Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, and let's read this together. It says, after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, and he said, get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said, and stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord has spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. So Joseph's asleep in the night, and he has this dream that he knows of the Lord, and he, the Lord says, you need to get up and go, and sure enough, Herod does try and kill Jesus. We see in history that his paranoia leads him to, to kill every uh, newborn child boy that you know, could potentially be this new king, this threat to his throne. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but because Joseph listened to God's divine guidance, he and Mary, along with Jesus, escaped to Egypt. Well, let's read Matthew 2, 19. It says, When Herod died, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream again to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with, Joseph, uh, with Jesus and his mother. This is a lot of like travel. It's a lot of, like, you thought your travel was bad at Christmas. This is a lot of traveling, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of stress, right? And so you, we get to this point of the story where, okay, well, at least they can relax a little bit right now, right? They can put their, no, no, because it continues. Verse 22 says, but when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee, and so the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth, and this fulfilled what the prophet had said. He will be called a Nazarene. Clearly we can see this theme weaving throughout the story is that God is with Mary and Joseph, and God is leading them and guiding them. And in hindsight, that's pretty cool, right? When you look back and you can see how God has led you and guided you, it's pretty cool to look back on in hindsight. But how many know when you're in the midst of it, when you're in the middle of it, when you're trying to discern the Lord's leading, it's not so cool, right? When you look back and you can see, oh, look where God's brought us. Isn't that so cool how he led us? But when you're in the middle going like, God, what's next, right? That's a really disorienting place to be. Who's moved in the last five to six years? Anyone moved in the last five? Oh, lots of people moving. I know. I've met so many people who are new to town. You've moved to this area. I, I moved last year. There's a lot of details that go into moving, isn't there? Right? There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of plans. 
There's a lot of timelines. There's a lot of logistics. Am I flying? Am I driving? Am I stuff going to arrive on time? Uh, You start, you know, a lot of emotion that goes into moving, right? I'm, I'm leaving something behind. I'm grieving what I'm leaving, and I'm excited for what lies ahead, and yet there's some unknowns to what lies ahead that's causing me some uh, anxiousness. How many know with moving, like a lot of the stress comes from the unknowns, right? It's the unknowns. It's like even, even deciding, like, should I move or not, right? How do, I, how do I know if I should move or not? You know, will my house sell? If I sell my house, will I be able to get a new house? What, I, what, what's what's going to happen? Can I afford to move? Can I afford not to move? You know, all these anxious thoughts going on. You know, what's the new house, the new city, the new job? What's the new community, the new church? What's it all going to be like? A lot of unknowns uh, when we're in the midst of moving. How much of the stress comes from not knowing? Don't you wish sometimes that God would just give you like, all the instructions and all the details in advance, right? Like, God, if you could just spell it out for me, just kind of dispel some of those unknowns. Like, if I could just know. Any planners in the house, you're just like, I just am at peace when there's a plan, right? When I got my to-do list and I could just be checking things off the list, right? Where's all like, the, the, the list checkers? You're like, I get satisfaction just checking the list. Some of you guys are so, I, I don't know, I was going to say sick, but not sick. That's the wrong word. <laughs> Some of you are so strange, you write things on the list that you've already done, just so you can check it off, right? There's satisfaction in doing that, right? Uh, some of us are more fly by the seat of our pants, but, but don't you wish God would just give you all the instructions? I mean, if God knows everything, why not just be upfront about it? Right? Like if God is planning for his son to be born to Mary and Joseph, why not just like, you know, from the get-go tell them what's going to happen? You know that book, What to Expect When You're Expecting? You know, why not a divine copy of that, right? Like, hey, Mary and Joseph, it's the son of God. Here's what, what to expect while you're expecting. The son of God right? Like instead of a star for the wise man and instead of angels and dreams for Mary and Joseph, why not just a roadmap and a timeline that they could just follow, you know, as they're trying to raise the son of God? You know, it, wouldn't you want to know exactly what's going to happen next? Wouldn't you want to know in your future, like how long am I going to be at this job that I'm in? What's my next job going to be? You know, where will I be in 10 years from now? Anyone asked you that question? Where do you see yourself in five to 10 years, right? You know, instead of being, you know, just a little bit grayer and a little skinnier, I see myself a little skinnier in five to 10 years. I don't know. I know it doesn't work that way, but that's how I see it. But you're asking, you know, where am I going to be living? What am I going to be doing? What will my kids be doing? Will I even have kids? You know, uh, what will I have accomplished? What opportunities will I have had? Right? We have all these unknowns of life before us. And would it just seem easier if God would just give us a roadmap and a timeline of what our lives would be like? You know, why not give Mary and Joseph the heads up? Uh, you know, at least then they could like, emotionally prepare for all the trouble that they're going to have to encounter. But here's the thing, because I think that God actually gives them something better than a roadmap and a timeline. And I think that God gives you and I something better than a roadmap and a timeline for our lives. God gives us relationship. God gives us the present of his presence. He gives us Emmanuel, God with us. It's much better 
than a roadmap. He gives us relationship. Here's the thing. God is so gracious and wise. He knows us too well to give us too many details about the future. Can you imagine like Joseph's reaction if God had given him the play-by-play outline of his life? Okay, you're going to have a child and you're going to have to like, be a stepdad because I'm actually his dad, but you're going to be the stepdad and you're going to raise the son of God, so don't mess that up. And by the way, right off the jump, Herod's going to be trying to kill you and kill the baby, so you're going to have to watch out for that. So that means that you're going to be in Egypt for a bit, then you're going to come back and find out that Archelaus, and then you're going to be in Bethlehem. How many of that, I, I, you know, Joseph was probably saying like, I'm not signing up for this, right? Like, like, I'm not cool with this kind of life and the level of stress this is going to bring, right? Uh, you're going to live as political refugees in, in Egypt. You're not going to know the language, and you probably won't have a job, and you won't have any friends and family nearby to babysit Jesus when you want to go on date night, you know? And, so, and, and just think about this, right? You're going to come back, and it's going to seem like things are better because Herod's gone, but his son's even crazier than he is, right? And so this is the life you're going to live. And how many know in advance, Jesus was, uh, Joseph would say, this isn't for me, right? I don't want this in my life. I don't need this. I don't want this, right? Maybe he does take it on. Maybe he tries to take matters into his own hands. Well, if I can just, you know, somehow thwart Herod's attacks or, uh, you know, somehow take this on, you know, uh, I never would have gone to Bethlehem in the first place, you know. I'd be in hiding somewhere else. You know, I don't know what would have happened. But here's the thing. When God doesn't give you the details about what is going to happen or why things are happening, it's not because he's being aloof or a goof, (laughs) He's not being aloof and distant from you. He's actually being gracious. God is gracious to us in the way he leads us. How many remember when you were a kid, and and I know we've had different family backgrounds, but but maybe you could relate in your context, but I remember as a kid, you know, when my dad was around, it just seemed like if dad was here, everything's okay, right? I never gave any thought to anything. As long as dad was here, it was going to be okay. Maybe you had someone in your life, an uncle or a dad or your mom, or you know, just someone in your life, if they were around, you, just, you were at peace as a kid because you just knew it was going to be all right. I, I hate to say I got to the place and the age as a, as a pastor now where some of the staff has started calling me dad at moments, right? They're going, like, all right, dad, there's a, the, you know, whatever it is. But it's like this place of when dad's around, everything's going to be okay. But here's the thing. When I became dad, <laughs> I realized that it wasn't like everything was okay. You know, I, wasn't, I realized like my kids think everything's okay. But how do I know that I'm carrying things and I'm working through things and I'm, I'm dealing with more than my kids realize? And I think it's like that with our Heavenly Father. I think that God, our Heavenly Father, he says to us, I've got this. I've got this, and I've got you. So rest at peace in me. Rest at peace that when Heavenly Father's here, everything's okay. That doesn't mean that he's not dealing with things and carrying things that we don't know about. But I don't want my kids to have to worry about those things. They don't need to worry about those things. That's not their role. That's not our role. God says, cast your burdens upon me. So I care for you. I love you. Let me be the heavenly father and you be at peace being my children. 
You know, sometimes we wish we could have a more detailed map of our future, and, and maybe you've been here lately and you've been frustrated. I, I'm just, God, I just want to know what to do. I just, I just want to know how my future will unfold. God says, I'm giving you something greater than a roadmap. I'm giving you relationship. I'm giving you myself, Emmanuel, God with us. My heavenly Father is with me. He cares for me. He's going before me. He's in the details. He's got me. Would you say that with me? Would you say, he's got me? He's got me. God's got me. I can be at peace in him. You know, Christmas is an amazing fulfillment of God's promise to be with us, to lead us, to guide us every step of the way. The God of heaven literally steps down, literally steps down, and steps into our shoes to walk with us. Who's heard that famous saying, you know, never criticize someone until you've walked a mile in their shoes, right? God steps down and he steps into our shoes. Uh, you guys know the other half of that famous saying? Never criticize someone until you walked a mile in their shoes because then you'll be a mile away and you'll have their shoes. <laughs> Seriously though, here's the thing. Jesus doesn't step into our shoes to criticize us. He steps in so he identifies with us. Or more importantly, so that we identify with him. We know that he understands what we're going through. As we unwrap the Christmas story from all the feel-good nostalgia, as we unwrap all the layers of festivity, we really find the story of a family living as political refugees in an uncertain time and climate when the government was opposed to them, when, when they were being persecuted, and all the stress and the pressures and the uncertainty that comes with that, that is the context of the Christmas story. God understands us. You know, many of you have immigrated here from around the world, and even just moving to Canada comes with a lot of uncertainty, right? A lot of questions, where will you live? What will it be like to leave family behind? Maybe you're unsure of the, the people and their quirky culture as Canadians. You know, what, how, how does A work? When you say A, like, is that the question? Like, how does that work, eh? Like, you're trying to figure that out. And like, who's Tim Horton? And why is he so important to Canadian culture? What did he do for Canada that, you know, everyone celebrates him everywhere? Maybe you have to learn the language. God steps out of heaven and he walks among us. He's empathetic, and he's sympathetic, and he leads us, and he guides us. God knows what you're going through. He's walked in your shoes. And so this is the message of Christmas, that the God who is over all, who made it all, who sustains it all, is Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. I understand you. I will lead you. I've got you. That's the gift of God to us. When you don't have all the answers, here's the thing. You know the one who does. And he's with you. It's not your husband or your wife. <laughs> they might think they have all the answers. But God. James 1.5 says, if you need wisdom, ask your generous God and he'll give it to you. He'll not rebuke you for asking. When you need answers, just rest in the presence of God. Ask him. When you're feeling alone, Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave you or forsake you. So promise that God's made 
to you and to me? When you don't sense God's presence and it appears and feels as though he's distant from you, Matthew 28, 13 says, be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's God's promise to you. When you feel like you're in the dark, Jesus says in John 8, 12, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you have the light that leads to life. See, the whole story, the whole narrative of Scripture from beginning to end, from Genesis as God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve and says that he desired relationship with them and it was their sin that caused them to hide from him in, those, in that time of relationship. But all through Scripture, the story of the gospel has been about God restoring relationship with him and we come to the end of Scripture in Revelation 21 and it says that the highest value that God has is to be with us. Revelation 21.3 says, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and he'll wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. You know the best way to beat Christmas stress is to stress what's most important about Christmas. This morning, I want to invite you to stand with me, and, and I just want us to, as we've unwrapped Christmas, and we begin to looking at the facets of God, as we look at the Son of God, who invites us in to sonship, into the family of God, as we look at Emmanuel, God with us, and as we trust him with our lives, trust him to lead us, and to guide us, and to rest in the peace of knowing that he's got us. As we continue on in this series, we're going to see that God's greatest gift is Jesus Christ given to us so that we could be in relationship with him. I'm gonna pray with you and then we're gonna just worship the Lord together for a few moments. But Jesus, I pray all across this room today, God, that the truth of this would be affirmed in our hearts. Holy Spirit, would you take this word and apply it to our hearts and minds? You're with us. You've got us. You're leading us. You're never gonna abandon us or forsake us. Even when you're distant, or it seems like you're distant, that's just a feeling because you're as close as the whisper of your name. So God, we call on you today. God, would you fill this place with your tangible presence? Or would you make us aware again and afresh, God, of what's important, this relationship that you desire with us. God, let that be the burning passion of us this Christmas season, God, that we would yearn to be in your presence, that we would be yearning to be in relationship, to hear your voice, to sense your touch, Lord, that we would be setting aside time uh, in greater measure, Lord God, to spend time in your presence outside of Sunday. Lord Jesus, fostering this relationship, speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.